What's up, everybody? This is episode eight of the Ballers on Tap podcast. This is KK, what it is, what it do, what it ain't, along with my co-host, Mr. Evan Kelly, a.k.a. the Hebrew Hammer. (laughs) We got a loaded show for you guys today. Of course, the finals are here now. It's something we've all been waiting for. It's here. The two teams, we knew that would be there. They're here. We're also going to recap the Braves along with our hangover the week and a last call for you guys. But first, we got to have a beer of the week because this is the Ballers on Tap podcast. What we got this week? All right. So this week we got a, uh, a suggestion from Twitter from uh, Janet. And uh, let's see here. We have a Dogfish Head 90-Minute IPA. So, they say this is their continually hopped IPA whose powerful malt backbone <laughs> stands up to the extreme hopping rate for a pungent, not crushing hop flavor. You ever had any Dogfish Head? I've never had a beer from Dogfish Head, but I know you were saying, uh, I mean, just when you're getting this, you saw a couple couple different ones right yeah there's a um this is the 90 minute ipa and as well i saw in the store a 60 minute ipa so i kind of i was looking at it was like oh what's the difference well the the big difference that i saw was the alcohol content <laughs> that this 90 minute that we're trying today is nine percent alcohol which that's by far the strongest beer we've tried since being on the podcast yeah and the 60 minute ipa was a seven percent <laughs> So I will say the the label feels kind of cool. Like yeah, it's, it, a, it's a craft brewery. Um, the label isn't like thin plastic. The label is like a almost like construction paper type material. Like it's, it feels like somebody like handmade. And yeah, like it's very pasted it on there. Very craft. And I, I will say it's kind of cool. The uh, the box for Dogfish Head has some suggestions of what to try it out with. So. According to Dogfish Head, this is a, I mean, appearance, they're saying it's a golden amber, which I agree. Um, it looks like that. Let's see. Aroma, um, heavy piney and citrus. Flavors, hoppy with moderate bitterness. And then, of course, malt. So this one has kind of both. Like, we've tried some malts, um, like the one we had the other week. What the white ale? No, I can't remember it now. But we it was a malt. It was a that thicker one that was kind of like Guinness. We've oh had, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We've had some strong IPAs too. So this one's kind of combining both of those. Um, it is kind of cool here on the box. It has food pairings for this beer, and it's a random list. They have pork chops, grilled fish. I know AJ's favorite split pea soup. <laughs> Heck no. I don't even know what this is. Stilton cheese and escargot. I know what escargot is. I don't know what Stilton cheese is. Well, you said this uh this brewery's from where Pennsylvania. You said, um, I I don't know Delaware. I, it's bottled in Delaware. Yeah, Delaware. That those foods seem like northeastern kind of foods. Yeah, I mean, split pea it's, soup. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Split pea soup. That's not, that's not my my jam right there. No, yeah, I'm not, I'm not just having that. It's like, oh man, this would go great with a dogfish head. 
But I'm gonna go ahead and try this one out. All right. See. Well, let me uh let me pop it open real quick. All right. All right. Uh, try this one out. It is it is strong. Just smelling it, I can already tell it's it's pretty strong. Just smelling it. It tastes strong. It it tastes strong. I mean, IPA and a nine percent alcohol. By volume, I'm thinking really, really, really bitter. But this actually does not taste that bad. I do. It does have a smooth finish, like it said, kind of crisp. I kind of going in before I tasted, I was kind of thinking it would taste like a chop executioner or hop executioner by Terrapin. But this actually tastes better than that. It does for a nine percent beer. Yeah, it's, it's actually not bad. It's, you know, I mean, you have some of these craft breweries are doing the nine, ten percents. Um, and when they start getting to that point, they're pretty strong. You lose your and you're, yeah. you're not really wanting to drink it. You're just kind of drinking it to <laughs> to drink it. This one's actually probably the most drinkable. Uh, I agree. High alcohol percentage beer. I will say it is. It is weird because I can taste the IPA in it. You know, the, the hops. Yeah. But then I can also taste the malt side of it. So it, they do do a good job at combining them um, seamlessly. It, it's it's interesting. I haven't. This is actually a really good beer. Yeah, I haven't really had one like this before. It's definitely heavy. I mean, this isn't. Yeah. This isn't necessarily a. You know how we always kind of say because it's summertime. I guess I keep picturing that this might not be a sit outside and drink them throughout the whole day. No, this is a sit inside by the fire and eat split pea soup. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But this is a, it's really heavy, but it's good. And like I said, I like the the malts or I like kind of the, the heavier ones. And then this one does have that strong hoppy flavor from IPA as well. I'm, I'm very, very surprised. Yeah. Especially at 9%. How, how good, yeah. At 9% how good it is. It's at 9%. It's really smooth. Um, like, like I just said, a lot of these high alcohol ones, you kind of have to throw back and not <laughs> taste. Yeah. I mean, you can kind of, you can enjoy this one. I agree. Okay. We appreciate the the shout out for this one. Yeah, by Janet on Twitter. It. Appreciate it, Janet. It's actually Twitter. really good. Yeah, this is a good one. Um, so so final score. Well, out of ten, what do you give it? I give this a seven point five eight. I actually really enjoy this. I think mean, that's your highest. That's your highest score. I, yeah, I think that's it, over the Doctor Robot. It, I think it might be. And the Doctor Robot last week that was my yeah. my favorite. For I think a while. I gave that an eight last week. Mm. No, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I'm kind of the Russian judge with that. I'll give this one an eight, though. This is eight. this is good. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give this one an eight too. Um, but let me tell you why. Really, I'd probably give it about a seven compared to like if I just wanted throwback beers. Oh yeah, yeah. Sitting outside or even inside. But for the alcohol percentage of this, this thing is so smooth that I could sit here and, and drink a few of these. And obviously after about two or three, <laughs> I'd be feeling real good. Yeah. Um, I didn't expect it to taste that good after just, you know, looking at the labels and reading over everything. So I'll give it an eight because of that. It tastes that smooth with that high alcohol percentage. And I haven't tasted another one that smooth before. I, I haven't either. It's very surprising. Definitely something I will grab again. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Especially if you need to, uh, you know, start feeling a little buzz in a hurry. Throw a couple of these back; you'll be good. <laughs> yeah. So all right, that wraps up the 
on tap portion. Very good beer, very solid. I think we're both very pleased. So let's go ahead and jump right in. We're going to recap the Braves a little bit. I know we do kind of a weekly recap. It's a very long season. Last week wasn't too good. We For a couple a, reasons. Yeah. We had a six-game road trip. We went to Philadelphia and then up to Boston. We went two and four last week. We were still able to hold the lead over the NL East. We have a current half-game lead over the Nationals. Went to Philly. The bats kind of went quiet. The strikeouts went up. Went to Boston. Same sort of thing. But Boston, you got to look. They're arguably the best team in the majors. So going into that series, the way I took it as like, this is a, a good measuring stick of how good we are. And we saw that we do have some stuff to improve on. We offense did a little bit better in Boston compared to Philadelphia, but trying to hold those bats that the Red Sox have, trying to hold them back, it's nearly nearly impossible. So that brings me to Sunday's game, the game we did win in the series. Ronald Acuna had a scare. I think all of Braves country had a heart attack. Including me. Yeah, this this was the worst part of, of the long, you know, everybody's enjoying the weekend. And then on Sunday, we get some bad news. I remember we were at the cookout Sunday, and I walk out on the patio, and you look to me and say, Acuna got injured. I'm like, oh, hell. And then you go on and say, like, yeah, he had to be uh, look like he messed up his knee. And I was like, damn, the season's over. I, I literally said that. And then you go watch a video, and He's running through the bag, and he thinks he's safe, and he's trying to slow down and plants that left leg and just hyperextends, and it it looked nasty. Yeah, whenever you see the knee bend or buckle in any sport, you're like, oh, that's that's done. Yeah, so I was not – how do I say this? Optimistic. (laughs) I was not optimistic after seeing that because I know they were going to do MRIs the next day that Monday. Well, he goes in for the MRI, and luckily, all it is is an ACL sprain and a back bruise. I feel like we dodged a huge bullet with that, and I am very, very thankful that he's going to be okay and most likely be out a couple weeks, and that's huge, huge, huge for this Braves team because that big injury could have been a big turning point in the season for the young Braves. It could have went south quick. I was also reading an article today. He was placed on the DL Monday, 10-day DL. Well, Monday, the Braves had a doubleheader with the Mets. Mm -hmm. And before he was placed on the DL, he actually went to Snitker and tried to play in game two. So I think... Which is a good sign. Yeah, exactly. And I know there's also been reports on that Monday he was lightly jogging. Mm -hmm. So this 10-day DL is definitely needed. You don't want to make it any more worse, especially with these knee injuries. But I'm glad we're going to have him back in a couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, that was for about for a few hours there. We were all pretty scared. Yeah, I was the constantly only, checking up, checking the updates. Yeah. And then even with people saying, okay, well, he walked off. Still, there's times adrenaline's running. I mean, I know you've, you've seen injuries where people were able to walk off. Hell, I've had an injury where I tore a ligament in my ankle and I was able to keep playing basketball the rest of the day because you're just going off adrenaline and you're not really feeling it. So yeah. I – People were pretty optimistic after he walked off the field. I was still pretty cautious. Maybe, again, maybe that's the Atlanta fan in me. 
But uh, good news coming out of out of that weekend. And uh, I mean, the good news now is, hey, we're still first in the NL East. We are. We we're playing a four game series with the Mets currently. Right now, we got the fourth game tonight, Thursday night. Braves are up two games to one. Game one of the doubleheader, we hit a walk-off home run, come back and one. Woo! <laughs> we lose game two. Game three, which was last night, Wednesday night, we're down 6-3, and we score three runs in the eighth. Tied up at six, and Johan Camargo hits a walk-off home run. Another walk-off. Another walk-off. Two walk-offs in three days. We have five walk-off wins this year and seven yep. wins on our last at-bat. So I think it's a good sign Camargo hit the walk-off too. Because I'm not saying from the Braves organization, but from just some chatter here in the city, I'm hearing, okay, we, we might need to start finding somebody to fill that position here this season now that we're actually, you know, we're in first, we're a making contender. a run. We're, we're after Memorial Day. From what I heard, uh, again, we talk about this every week. At the beginning of the year, we were saying, okay, we're hot. How long is this going to last? The consensus now is, is after Memorial Day, we're still in first. We got to make a run at this thing. Yeah. And the chatter that I'm hearing is we're going to make a run at it. We need to fill that third base mm-hmm. spot. So maybe Camargo buying himself some time hitting a walk off like that. Maybe not. What What do you think? You just got to see how he plays. It, luckily, I mean, yes, it's Memorial Day is the big kind of like a, a measuring stick as far as the team. Like, okay, maybe this team is for real. You kind of go by that. Yeah, so we have Camargo. I think you just gotta give him a chance. That's and how that's how I feel. Yeah, I, I feel like we gotta give him a chance. We're not in a rush right now. No, we're not. There's no time to freak out. We have two months to the trade deadline, and I think if we're still competing, then around the trade deadline, and Camargo just hasn't been able to really yeah. keep up. Yes, then you make a move. Yeah, you, you say two months. I'd look early. Let's see how this next month goes. Let's see how. June is a long, long month because really no breaks at that point. Once you're in June, you're you're just playing. You're going every day. Nothing exciting is really happening. Nothing to look forward to, really. Going to early July. Let's see what we're doing around 4th of July. Let's see if Camargo's doing his job. If so, great. But, I mean, what if he is doing his job, but we still are kind of thinking, okay, we actually have a chance to do something great here this year that we weren't expecting. I mean, the Cavs cut half their roster at trade deadline. Do you replace something that's performing at expectation for the chance to have something that's going to maybe the possibility of taking us over a hump? What, what would you do? If I'm in this situation and we're still contending, he's like, man, we have the chance to, Yes, Camargo's doing his job. He's getting by. But if I have a chance to make it better, I go go out and make it better. We'll be contending. And you have that chance to almost take you kind of over the hump. Yeah, I know we're years above sched- ahead of schedule right now. But if you have a chance to get better, you take that chance. All right. So that's what's going on with the Braves this this last week. All right, so moving on. Let's go ahead and break it down. We're recording this here on Wednesday, May 30th. Finals 
start Thursday, May 31st, which means that over Memorial Day weekend, we finally finished out the conference finals. So we we had two game sevens. First time since the 70s, we've had two game sevens running in the conference finals, and they were both exciting to me. I know there's been a lot of complaints in this playoffs that there were blowouts on both sides. I mean, we talked about it last week. When yeah. are we going to get a good game? I think both of these game sevens they were good. Were were pretty entertaining as yeah. a basketball fan. Um, so let's go ahead and start off. Let's just jump to the West. Okay, so that was the one uh, Monday night Memorial Day. You had Golden State at Houston. Game seven, Houston's worked so hard to uh, put together a team that could finally take out Golden State, busted their butts all season to get that number one seed, get get home court advantage, and uh, I'll go ahead and spoil it for you all if you don't know. <laughs> Rockets lost, Golden State won, game seven in Houston, they're off to the finals. Uh, so let's just break down what we saw in that game seven a little bit. KK, I'll let you take it off. All right, well, Chris Paul was out again. And that found that's out. something to note. Um, I've heard both sides, all right? Didn't make a huge difference. Definitely made a difference. No, I don't think Chris Paul's a big scorer, but he's a floor general. He's a vet. He's a leader of the team. That's the superstar that they brought in in the offseason. I think that definitely had an effect on the outcome. I'm not saying they would have won, but I think you have to – notate that that Chris Paul was hurt he was out for game seven I think this is the way I kind of look at it is yeah Chris Paul being out especially the way he was playing man I I'm not a big Chris Paul guy kind of annoying to me one of those guys on the court but man he was balling you hate to see that happen to him because his first conference finals in what 10 12 years he's been in the league yeah he's never he's never made it that far yeah um, joined this team first year with the team to, you know, get that far. And he's really been carrying, was carrying the team in that series. Harden's been kind of off and on. Well, the way I look at it is Eric Gordon was more, was now moved in the starting rotation with Chris Paul out. And Eric Gordon was balling out. So I think. And this Eric Gordon being aggressive, putting up 27 off the bench. So you. Let's say you insert Chris Paul back. Let's say Chris Paul doesn't get injured. Ben Gordon's not Ben Gordon. <laughs> Eric Gordon's not scoring 27. Well, I think here's the trade-off. Because Eric Gordon, the last couple of games, he's been shooting great. But the th- Here, Here's my thing. With Chris Paul on the floor, Chris Paul around the league is pretty known for his defense. He is a defensive point guard. Yeah. He, he's a floor general, and he plays defense. And when it comes to any other team – I think it's fine to have Eric Gordon out there scoring a lot of points. But when it comes to the Warriors and you're looking at who's the guy on the other side of the ball that Chris Paul is supposed to be guarding and it's two-time MVP Steph Curry, then I don't think it matters what Eric Gordon is scoring. I think you would gain more having Chris Paul out there trying to lock down Steph Curry. Not that he can even lock him down, but he, he can slow him down. But being the Rockets, you know, all they care about is they're just going to try to outscore you. And that's just Mike D'Antoni. That's always been been his deal. But game seven, Eric Gordon has a great game. Harden has a decent game. 
Rockets are hitting their shots in the first half, but it was Warriors just kind of just kind of sitting there. I mean, you're down eleven. I think they were down eleven at halftime. I want to say Warriors were down eleven at halftime, but they're still in striking distance. And everybody knows this whole playoffs that third quarter has been the Warriors' quarter. That's yeah, not not this series, this whole playoff. Yeah, the Warriors for whatever reason they've come out of halftime and in the third quarter they'll just light it up. Yep. And, and they did that. They outscored Houston 33 to 15 in the third quarter. So you go down 11 and now you're up 7 going in the fourth. So now Houston Rockets it's freak out time. And during this time, third to fourth quarter, Rockets were 0 for 25 from 3. And I think that shows Again, we before the playoffs started, I knocked Harden. I said, playoff Harden shows up, right? Um, what did you call him last week? Way off James. Way off James. Yeah, not playoff James, but it's way off James. Way off James, man. He, the minute they faced some adversity, that third quarter, Golden State made their run. That was expected. They lit him up. They even took a little lead. They start just taking bad shots. Yeah. Which. Live by the three, die by the yeah, three. Yeah, you live by the three, die by the three. And playoff Harden in game seven at home. And it's not just on Harden. The whole team was off. But I think it shows they're just not ready for that stage. I think they think they are. Yeah. I think they have the talent to be. I think they have the talent to beat Golden State. Um, honestly, I don't think they were that outmatched just person to person. I mean, when you start looking at KD and Clay, yeah, but I think the fact that Houston can go that cold at home in Game 7, yeah, you can always just say you were off, but I think you're lying to yourself if you don't, if you don't say the moment kind of got to them too big. in the back of their mind, maybe even subconsciously. But just knowing, oh, crap, they're coming back on us because they were leading. They were leading. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you're down at home in the third quarter. You know, that second half, things get a little more real. And uh, to say that that's not in the back of their mind of, oh, God, here we go again. And then all of a sudden, they're throwing up these threes trying to keep up. And they're not hitting them. I think it shows just that inexperience that Rockets just aren't a team ready for this stage. They're not. I mean, Harden had 32 but it took him 29 shots to get that. He was 13 from 29. Yeah. Trevor Reza, 0 for 12 from the field. Now, I know Trevor Reza is not a scorer, but he can give you 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 points. Oh, he, which he would be nice. Six. Trevor Reza is a kickout guy, especially yeah. with, with Chris Paul. Chris Paul's been hitting threes pretty well here in the playoffs. Trevor Reza's been the wing guy for him and for Chris Paul and Harden to drive in, kick out, find a Reza. That's what he does. So for him to be that cold definitely hurts them. That'd be like saying LeBron kicked out to Corver and Corver couldn't hit a three. I mean, that's that's what he's there to do. He's yeah. there to sit outside and catch it and shoot. Now, I know we're bashing on the Rockets saying they just went cold, which they did. But you got to look at that third and fourth quarter, what the Warriors did offensively. And the, the team's full of shooters. KD sees a shot go in. Steph sees a shot go in. And you're like, oh hell, here, and that's that's what happened. Steph started hitting his yeah. uh, threes off the 
off the screen and just kind of the throwing up and you know how those go Here, in. Here's what I saw because when you look at the box score, Kevin Durant finished with 34 points. Steph finished with 27. But to me, in the third quarter, that's when Steph caught on. In the third quarter, I wasn't paying attention to what Kevin Durant was doing. I was seeing what Steph Curry was doing. Them coming out at halftime, down, game seven, on the road. They said they have not been in a position like this. That this win is so sweet to them. Not that they've had it easy. They've definitely battled it out. Hell, they've lost the finals. But they haven't been in this position. After being up 3-1. Yeah, they haven't been in this position of being down game seven on the road. They've always had home court advantage. So, one, they were saying it was sweet to see their team have this kind of resilience. AJ, going to pop up in the second one. And uh, to see Steph Curry come out in the third quarter, he started hitting a couple shots. And I thought, oh, oh crap. Here, go, here <laughs> goes Steph. And then, like you said, coming around screens, like just curls off the ball. Yeah, I swear, if you watch the game, they ran the same play about four or five possessions in a row. Curry would come down, drop the ball off, run on the baseline. There'd be an off-the-ball screen for him, and they'd find him in the corner, and he'd pop a three. They even gave one to, uh, I think it was the rookie, gave it to him. He bounced it in between his legs backwards to Curry because that's, all, yeah, they were, that's all they were running was Curry would run the baseline, get a screen into the corner, catch the ball, and shoot. But then what's even scarier, I started seeing Curry handling the ball, started creating his shot like we saw We've seen Curry in the years past. When he starts dribbling on the three-point line, one dribble, hesitation set forward, pull back real quick and shoot. Doesn't matter who's on him. And he starts knocking those down. That's what I saw. And that's when that's prime Steph Curry where it doesn't matter how good a defensive player you yeah. are. It doesn't matter how tall you are. He's just working you and throwing shots up on the three-point line. And my big takeaway, I, I wrote this in the game, he showed you why he was a two-time MVP. Mm-hmm. With KD coming to the team, a lot of the focus has been shifted onto KD. And and Curry has even said, yeah, like this is his team. They're, they're happy to take a back seat and let Kevin Durant do some of the lifting, and that's great. But here it was in clutch time, down, game seven, is your season on the line? And Curry just started playing with the Rockets. He started hitting shots that looked like what you do to your younger sibling on the playground that's when I knew all right Curry's dialed in he's showing everybody he's still Steph Curry don't take him lightly don't sleep yeah don't sleep he's not injured nothing's wrong with him he's fine and he carried his team to that victory even though KD got more points I agree with everything you said the Warriors they're just the Warriors it's kind of watching the game it's like yeah you're down 11, but you put together a great second half, great second half run. They they just don't panic, I feel like. They kind of just, yeah, y'all go ahead, y'all, y'all get your lead, but we better make these adjustments and we're going to start hitting shots. They have so much confidence in each other they do. to hit these shots. And part of that, to me, I'll be honest, I think it starts from the top down. Steve Kerr, even when they're missing shots, I mean, if you ever watched him when he's mic'd up, yeah. he's always telling them, hey, keep shooting. Mm-hmm. You're, you're getting good looks. Don't stop. And Steve Kerr is one of the biggest proponents of just play playing the system. You guys are the best um, 
I mean, you'll even see Steve Kerr cringe at some of the shots they take, but they end up going in. Yeah. So he knows better than anybody. And uh, I think he really does kind of keep that going. I do have to touch on Draymond Green. He he got 10 points, right? Not huge on the offensive end. But, man, he was crashing the boards. He was playing defense. He was racking up assists. I mean, Draymond, he came to play. Like, yeah. I, I've kind of talked about this. He's not necessarily running things on the offensive end. But he is kind of the quarterback of that team. He holds it down. Mm-hmm. And I mean, five assists, 13 rebounds, 10 points, solid just across the board. So I got to give it to him. Um, and then even just a touchback on Curry. Curry finished with 10 assists. So it's not like he's only shooting. He's finding guys. Yeah. Um, but this is the spread you want to see from the Warriors. You want to see Durant with 34. So more than 30. Steph with high 20s, 27 points. Clay with 19. You want to see Clay get about 19 to 22 points. Yeah. That's solid Clay. So Draymond with 10. Anytime Draymond's in double digits, points and rebounds, you're set. That's that's prime Warriors. Like you said, Warriors are the Warriors. And when they're the points are spread across like that, I don't know if any team is beating them. Um, and it's important to note, Andre Godala was out. Not that yeah. if the Warriors lost, I wasn't going to give them that excuse because yeah. they still have four all-stars on their starting lineup. So don't feel bad for them, but <clears throat> it is important to note. I mean, Andre Godala, he's been in the starting lineup here the last few games. He was a finals MVP. Yeah, he's a finals MVP. He's a sixth man of the year. He's one of those guys that just is always in the right place at the right time. He's also a lockdown defender. So, it is important to know Andre Iguodala is out. Um, I haven't seen any news going into the finals. Have you? I haven't heard anything, but I feel like, man, he's got to be back. I mean, they said it was a, a knee bruise. Knee contusion. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but, you, you banged up your knees. I mean, I feel like you'd have to be back. Yeah. So, I think it, it affects the Warriors more than people think it does. It I and I, I really wanna, do think I don't, so. I don't want to get into this yet. We'll talk on this. But I think it will affect them more in the finals than it will in these conference finals. And I'll Wait, just leave so you're it at saying that. Iggy I'll, can shut down LeBron. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I'll talk about that later in the show. So, Western Conference Finals, Warriors did their thing. Um, this was the first year, though. I will say, on our show last week, we both said, oh, I don't see the Warriors losing again. And Warriors got it handed to them again. Mm-hmm. So, I'll give it to the Rockets. Rockets did not get cave. They won in Golden State, which I didn't expect them to no. do. We said it right after we said it on the show, Warriors went on to lose at home. Um, right after we said they, they were not going to lose at home yeah. the rest of the playoffs. <laughs> so, I got to give it to the Rockets. I think they're on the right path. How how long they can keep this team together, that's waiting to see that. Um, but this is the first year in a while where I'm kind of ex- excited with the conference finals in the West, and I'm excited going into next year. I think we have a new rivalry between the Rockets and the Warriors um, as a legit rivalry, not, oh, Rockets think they're a rival, but they're really not. So, any last words on the Western Conference Finals? I mean, yeah, it it was a great series. Rockets played a lot better as far as totality of a series than I thought they would. I didn't think it was going to go seven. Me neither. Especially after 
after the game where, I mean, they lost by 41 points. Yeah. I thought, okay, that's it. It's over. But, I'll like I said, I'll, I'll give it to the Rockets. They, especially when Golden State won uh, game one and they got home court into their advantage. Mm-hmm. I thought, that, yeah, this is But they play good. It's going to be – yeah, it's definitely going to be fun in the years to come. Yeah, so I'll, I will say I'll, I'll give it to them. Rockets are legit. I'm putting my stamp on it. Uh, I wouldn't – I mean, they're a legit regular season team. You take them to seven games, I'll, I'll say they're legit. They're better than anybody else in the West. I mean, seven, seven games at home, though, Harden, man. You got to. They're, they're the first team to give the Warriors a run for their money. Yeah, they are. This is, like they I said, are. this is the first time in the last few years Warriors have not just had a cakewalk to the finals. So, other than OKC, when they were down three to one, mm-hmm. which that OKC team, I don't think was ever set up for greatness anyway, but. I think Rockets are set up a little better for the long term. So, moving on from the West, let's just go ahead and jump right into it. Let's touch on Eastern Conference Finals. Similar situation. Game 7, Boston worked all year to get home court advantage. I'm going to keep saying this. I'll say this all summer long. Y'all get tired of hearing me saying this. I'll give y'all a hangover <laughs> of the month saying this. Boston was without their best two players, and these guys still got to a conference finals, home court advantage, had not lost any home games yep. throughout the throughout the playoffs, not just the series, the playoffs. They had not lost a, a home game, but there really wasn't any on court leadership because again, your two best players are out. Your two two all stars, right? So going into Game Seven, Cleveland, they've been so hot. Or cold, not just this playoffs this this year, right? I mean, there's there's a reason they cut half their team at trade deadline. Mm-hmm. It's because they've been so hot or cold. So again, not just in these playoffs, but all season. So going into Game Seven, I really didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if we would get the Cavs at home or if we would get the Cavs of LeBron scoring 45 points and getting no help and still losing. I wasn't worried about what LeBron would do, but I didn't know what Cavs team we would get. Yep. So, here in Game 7, again, I'm going to spoil it for y'all who didn't see it. Cavs won. What? So, just like the West, road team, Game 7 ends up winning the game. And here we are. We have our... uh, was this fourth year in a row? Fourth of Warriors and Cavs, which again has never happened before. So, well, I'll get into that later. <laughs> I, I had some congrats I to, say. to LeBron on his eighth finals in a row, eight, eighth straight finals. Um, also, I forget what it was, um, but in elimination games, he's pretty much undefeated. And there, there's an interesting way to to put it that. Almost made it seem even better. Because, okay, eighth straight finals. And what I'm about to say means the exact same thing. But when I heard it said, it kind of put it into better perspective. LeBron hits his eight straight finals. Or LeBron has not lost a playoff series in eight years. LeBron has won mm. every series he has yeah. been in for the last eight years. That's, that's eight, and Except for the finals. That sounds better. That is, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty crazy. This yeah, man has not lost a series in the playoffs in the last eight years. 
It's an incredible run. I mean, that's that's crazy. Um, say what you will about if you think the East is legit or not, whatever. I don't care. These are all NBA players. Um, this guy's been on different teams, been on bad teams, good teams. It doesn't matter. He's gotten there eight years in a row. And trust me, I've I've given him his fair share of criticism, but you got to respect that. If you don't respect that, then you're you're just letting your bias get into it because you have to respect LeBron getting there eight years in a row. And Game 7, he got some help, really not as much as I thought, but he got one player in particular stepped up. So LeBron put up 35 points. 35-15-9. Yeah. Which that's, that's what you expect. Almost triple-double. I expected more points. Oh, yeah. Elimination <laughs> game. Man. And then J.R. Smith, he put up 12. That's – anytime J.R. gets around 15, that's, that's good. That's kind of what you need. Um, George Hill only had six. We were just talking last week about how he needs to be aggressive. He really didn't get a lot done this game. And that was that was kind of scary. That was a little surprising to see him not be that aggressive. It, that's – that's an anomaly to me. Some games George Hill is coming out ready to play, and some games he kind of – I think part of it, LeBron likes to be a point forward. Yeah. George Hill's a point guard, and he will just let LeBron do his thing, which you have to. But at the same time, George Hill, you got to be aggressive when you do get your chance. Um, Tristan Thompson with 10, uh, 10 points, 9 rebounds, so he had a solid little game. But, man, Jeff. the former Celtic, Jeff Green – Coming in, hasn't done a whole lot. Jeff Green put up 19 points, shot 50% from the field. He, LeBron finally had one other player have a, a big game. Not not 10, 12 points. He finally had somebody put up about 20 points to help kind of contribute to that, what he's doing. That's all he needed. Especially the way the Celtics offensively did not show up. No. Tatum and Horford were the only two players so, I feel like that wanted to be out there. So that's how that's what I saw from the Celtics. So looking at the Celtics, we've been talking about their young guys, Jalen Brown, uh, Jason Tatum. And then here in the playoffs, you've kind of had the emergence of Terry Rozier, right? All these guys are third year or less. So their young guys have not been in this seat before. Again, hangover of the month for you guys. They're missing <laughs> their two their two all stars. They're two guys who've who've known the situation. Kyrie's won a ring before. All right. So those two guys, Kyrie, Gordon Hayward, they're not even on the floor. So you don't have that leadership. But here watching the Celtics, you have these three guys who are three years or less in the league. And for two of them, it showed. For Jalen Brown, he had 13 points. He's really been stepping up a lot more than that here in the playoffs. So Jalen Brown was a little disappointed. Even when... He got the ball. He looked a little hesitant or a little scared, didn't quite know what to do. And then Terry Rozier really shrunk away here in kind of his career-defining moment. Four points. Didn't contribute much at all, and he's been a big contributor for the Celtics. That's like one of their main pieces being out. One player, though, that did not look young. This guy is a rookie and looked like he's a 10-year vet. He, He looked awesome. Jason Tatum. Right from the get-go, he came out, hit a couple shots. I mean, even first or second quarter, he hit a nasty kind of step-back shot, a little mid-range on the Cavs. And then, of course, in the second half, had maybe a career-defining dunk on LeBron. 
first time I've ever seen LeBron get dunked on. LeBron got straight dunked on by Jason Tatum. Don't mistake it. Don't try to twist it any other way. LeBron got dunked on. And to me, it was a great juxtaposition to right before the game, they were showing videos of the season opener. Celtics and Cavs played the first season of the game. First game of the season. (laughs) And Jason Tatum coming in as a rookie who idolized LeBron. First shot in the NBA went up for a layup and LeBron just smacked it down. Imagine first shot in the NBA gets blocked by your <laughs> idol, your childhood idol. And here he is in game seven of the Eastern conference finals and puts probably the best dunk of his career on LeBron. So Jason Tatum did not look scared. He showed up to play shot over 50% Horford, 17 points shot 58%. So the Celtics, they put up a fight. They had a little bit to give, but they just don't have that firepower. And that's what happens when you don't have a, I mean, you know, a real superstar on your team. You need one guy who you can just kind of give it to and say, yeah. make something happen. And the Celtics didn't have that. But I, I've been saying it all playoffs here, all playoffs long is scary Terry. Like, who is this man? This man went 0 for 10 from three. I mean, that's what I said. Four he, points. He emerged during the playoffs. Yeah, but if you want to be great, you got to show up in that game seven. And we all saw this series. Well, really, the whole playoffs. <laughs> when Boston leaves Boston, when they go play away games, yeah, they don't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah, I mean, when, there's no excuses now. You're in your home court. Yeah, I so, think I think it's very similar to what I just said about the Rockets. It's one of those the moment. Got to them. It's and too I, big. I, I hate to use that excuse because some guys look good, some guys didn't, but it's a team effort. And you could definitely tell some of these guys on that team when it came time for elimination game against the best player in the league, even though it's at home, that moment gets to you. Now, I think Al Horford, I don't think got to him. No. Al Horford's he's played against LeBron his whole career. They yeah. came in. Well, Al Horford came in the same year as KD, but Al Horford, he's been in the East his whole career. He's battled against LeBron his whole career. I think he looked hungry. He looked like he was ready to finally get over the LeBron hump and still wasn't able to do it. Like I said, Jason Tatum looked great, but outside of those two, looked like the moment just got to him. And the Cavs did it with... No Kevin Love. I think and that's, that's another thing. That's just as important. That's just as important to note as saying the Warriors did it without Andre Iguodala. Yeah. I mean, granted, they're different players, but I mean Kevin Love. I think he's the best, most hated on guy in the league. <laughs> I think he went from an All Star on the Timberwolves, getting double doubles every night, to when he came over with LeBron. He kind of turned into a. He took. He did what Chris Bosh did. He looked at that and said, "Okay, how did Chris Bosh make it work? Okay, let me Shoot stand threes. outside. Yeah, kick out. Let me hit threes. He's not. To me, he's a good shooter, but he's not. Doesn't have his killer mentality as Chris Bosh had. And but it was the same thing when Chris Bosh was on the Heat. People loved to make fun of him. Loved to joke on him because before that he was this tough guy getting double doubles. Yeah. And then when he joined LeBron, he stepped way back. LeBron Kevin Love stepped way back, and I think it's worth noting, Kevin Love is very inconsistent on this team. He has games where 
you say, okay, that's exactly what you need to do. And he has games where you're like, what the hell are you doing out there, Kevin Love? You didn't contribute <laughs> anything to this game. But it's still saying, it's still worth noting, here in Game 7, on the road, they did not have Kevin Love, who is, don't mistake it, he is an all-star power forward. And to have that taken out of their starting lineup was a big deal. And they still overcame that. One last thing before we move on that I wanted to say that you brought up as far as it looked like the moment got too big. The moment got too big for Houston and for Boston. But I can live with the moment being too big for Boston because they're so young. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and a more experienced team like Houston, you have less excuses in my opinion. Well, that's the thing. With Houston, James Harden, that's why he gets the criticism. I'm not – we weren't sitting here before the playoffs saying, oh, you're going to have playoff Al Horford and playoff Jalen Brown. <laughs> like, no, that's – we don't know what to expect. They're, this team's a young team. They're really probably about a year ahead of schedule anyway. And then, like, Kyrie Irving has won <laughs> – Kyrie Irving has hit the clutch shot to win a finals. Yeah, he won the finals. He won the finals. Cleveland. He hit a step back three to win the finals for Cleveland. Kyrie's been there. It's nothing new to him. Gordon Hayward, he's still pretty inexperienced in the playoffs. Yeah, he is. I will say, but I think he's still a great talent to have out there. I'm that's why I'm interested to see how he reacts in those clutch moments because he hasn't had that opportunity while he's been in the league to have those clutch moments. So that will be fun to see. If those two guys were on the team, it's still about a year ahead of schedule. The Rockets, they put together this team to win now. And again, Harden has done this every year. Going back to the finals when he was in Oklahoma City, when OKC played Miami Heat, the one player I saw freeze up was Harden. No joke. I saw him have a wide open shot from the free throw line, and he hesitated because he didn't know what to do. At that point, he was too young. But he kind of always looks like that come, come clutch time. And then people say the same criticism about Chris Paul. They say there's a reason he hasn't been further in the playoffs. So, yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think that criticism is very fair to say, Rockets, this is a little more disappointing in them versus mm-hmm. Celtics. Hey, you're at home against the King. It's a little more understandable. Well, all right. Still an entertain, entertaining series, though. It is. Bo- both series were entertaining, and definitely the Game 7s, they lived up to the hype. Yeah, Game 7s. Um, I will say, I, I got I was a little more entertained in the West just because Golden State won Game 1 mm-hmm. in Houston, all of a sudden had home court advantage. And then Houston comes back, and they win in Golden State, and all of a sudden they take back home court advantage. And there was like that little bit of power struggle. Whereas the Cavs and Celtics is pretty much everybody's going to win their home games. But then again, it was still entertaining. Come down game seven to see the Cavs pull it out away with this squad that LeBron has. So that is your conference finals recap. Eastern, Western. Now we're moving in to the actual finals come this week. Tomorrow, again, we're we're recording this on Wednesday. So Thursday is the first game of the finals. Cavs, Warriors. We'll have more for that in just a little bit. But before we get to that, it's that time again. It's time for the hangover of the week. Hangover of the week. 
Okay, and for those of you who don't know, Hangover of the Week, this is a story that, that we're sick of. This story has given me a headache, makes me tired every time I talk about it. I'm ready to retire it. Makes me want to just lay down in bed, lights off, no sound. Go ahead and give me that Pedialyte so I can rehydrate. <laughs> Probably had too many of these 9% dogfish heads while I was reading this story. But our hangover of the week is just a story that we are, just gives us a hangover every time I hear about it. So going ahead, jumping into the hangover of the week. This week, I'm going to let AJ start it off. All right, well, my hangover of the week is going to be quick. another quick one this week. Something I'm hearing, and I'm tired of it already. But does it, don't you think for all the titles that Nick Saban wins, he complains so much? He is kind of whiny. I feel like every year it's some new thing that comes up and he's mad about. I know we talked about pre-show and all the hurry-up offenses, and, of course, he was a proponent of it. Or in, he was saying that it's causing injury concerns. I'm like, dude, chill out. That's Nobody the way buys the game. that. Nobody yeah, bought that. That's the way of the game. That's the way the game's going. Well, this week is the SEC spring spring meetings, and of course he's he's been interviewed because he's always a a good take for interviews, and he told the NCAA this week that they should play more conference games. And for one is, his reasoning is, if you lose a game late in the season, it hurts you more if you lose a game early in the season. Well, Alabama just lost their last regular season game. They got an extra bye week. They didn't have to fight for the SEC championship game. So they rolled in with a week off into the playoffs. And you know how that, you know how that ended. And... A new NCAA rule this year they're implementing. Only 20 coaches slash assistants can have headsets. Well, there have been reports that Nick Saban in the years past have had 28 coaches slash assistants with headsets. So, of course, he's mad about that. He had a quote today. He said, I'm not sure why they're doing it. I, I don't know who's the head of it. But it's like mouse manure when you're ear deep in elephant doo-doo. Like that, that was his quote. So he's pretty much saying, why are you messing this thing up? But I know it's a short one. I'm just tired of Nick Saban always damn complaining when he wins a title every year. Like, dude, just be quiet. Shut up. Take your title. It's okay. And go dogs. Go dogs. No, I not hijacking it, but I do agree. Even going back to like you said, when teams are first doing the the you know quick offense, no huddle, and he came out and was complaining against that. Well, we really know it's because he'd been all Nick Saban up to that point was recruiting was three hundred and fifty pound defensive linemen, mm-hmm. and they can't keep up with no huddle offense. That's all it was. He spends it in a way to say, oh, it's looking out for injury, looking out for the kids. Stop. You want to win games. We know that. But I, I agree with you, and that's AJ's hangover of the week. So, 
going into my hangover of the week. And this is kind of a weird one. And the story's not all the way out there yet. But I'm going to go ahead and touch on it. Just because it's already... It, there's this drama that doesn't need to be necessary. <laughs> so, 76ers, Jerry Colangelo. is coming out. There are reports that he has had burner accounts on Twitter. Which, for those of you who don't know... That's basically saying he's he's got fake accounts, kind of like KD did back in back in the day. <laughs> so Jerry Colangelo has fake accounts on Twitter, basically coming at his own team. He's and again, this is all reports right now. He said there was there's reports of up to five fake Twitter accounts that Jerry Colangelo is running. And he came out, he said he is, he does have one that is actually his, right? That he uses to keep in touch with news around the league. Why you need a fake account to keep in touch with news around the league, I'm not quite sure, but that's what he's saying. Now, the other four accounts, he's saying he has nothing to do with, but these accounts are basically criticizing his own player, Joel Embiid, Markel Fultz, guys that are on his team that you would not expect an executive of your team to be basically dissing, saying, criticizing their injuries, right? And KK pointed this out before the show because this is all very new, that basically people didn't know these might be connected to him except for some of the information that they were putting out were information that was keen to insiders of the team. So nobody else would know this information, but somebody inside the team, here's a Twitter account posting this information, criticizing Joel Embiid or Markel Fultz on their injuries or failing physicals that nobody else knew about. So they were able to kind of tie this back to, okay, this is somebody in the organization, but you wouldn't expect Jerry Colangelo, right? And the reason this is giving me a headache is because I'm sick of anybody in sports using fake accounts, especially somebody who's in an executive position. Now, Kevin Durant got got kind of he he didn't get in <laughs> trouble because there was nothing to get in trouble about. But Kevin Durant got some heat for this, you know, a little a couple years ago because he was using a fake Twitter account to basically defend himself against people criticizing him. So this is a little different when it's somebody, you know, up in the front office, he's the president of basketball operations, criticizing his own players on Twitter, but using fake accounts. Um, this is actually drawing some real criticism, some real investigations. 76ers are investigating this as an organization to see if this is true. But this story is already giving me a headache because it's just so unnecessary. What would prompt you as a president of basketball operations to get on Twitter and just start criticizing your players? You're above that. You want to criticize your players, come out in the public or don't come out in the public. Criticize them to their face. But you're a grown man. Don't get on Twitter. Don't use a fake account and just start blasting your own players. This is a, it's still a job. It's still a work environment. If I had a boss get on Twitter 
use a fake account and just start tearing me apart to the public, yeah, I'd be pretty pissed. So, hangover of the week, basically front office person of NBA team ripping on players through fake Twitter accounts. That's all I need to say to get across how ridiculous this is. Jerry Colangelo, get it together, man. Hopefully this investigation comes back that most of it is not true. But if it is, come on, you're 50, 60 years old. Put down Twitter, or at least use your own name. And that is my hangover of the week. So, moving on. Let's go ahead and preview these NBA Finals. I've been waiting all year. This is my favorite time of year. Other than, I know I said Conference Finals because I have two great series going on. But, at the same time, nothing can replace the NBA Finals. It's March, summertime. It's pool weather. It's two great teams going at it. Best team in the East. Best team in the West. Let's go ahead and uh, give our predictions. We have Warriors against the Cavs. Warriors at home. Start off game one on Thursday in Golden State. Playing there at Oracle Arena. KK, what do you see for this series? I don't want to break it down game by game yet. We're so early. Let's just touch on what Totality we see. Totality of the series. Yeah, let's touch on big picture for this because we'll have next week to really get into the yeah. you know the nuts and bolts of the series. Whether or not Iguodala comes back or not, the Warriors are leaps and bounds better talent-wise than the Cavs. On paper, it should be a sweep. It shouldn't even be close. But the Cavs have a secret weapon, and that's the greatest player of all time, LeBron James. I hate they you. Ha- they have I hate him. you. They have him sitting there, and LeBron's ready. I know he's played a lot of minutes. I know. Just so y'all know, that was, that was AJ said he's greatest of all time, not Evan. I don't want y'all <laughs> getting mixed up. AJ said that's greatest of all time. Greatest of all time. But like I said, he's been playing a lot of minutes. But he's going to be rested up. It's going to be a long series. Warriors are going to get theirs. They're going to get their W's. Cleveland's going to have to fight a whole bunch. And to say all that, the Warriors, I could definitely see some of these games being won by 10, 15, 20 points. Because the way these the way these calves are, the way they kind of just like give up. I mean, you've seen it in every every playoff series that they've been in, except the the Raptors series. They've had games where they just kind of give up and check out and say, hey, we'll move on to the next one. Golden State's so good, man. They're so good. And I'm saying all this to set this up I got Cleveland and LeBron in seven. I Hold do. up. Repeat that I real do. quick. I got I got Le- <laughs> There's something crazy about LeBron. There's something crazy this year. 
I don't know what he's doing, what he's drinking, but I feel like at least four times, four games this series, he's going to have some help, some supernatural help, I'm sure. I think we're going to have K-Love have a great game. We might have JR get hot. Kyle Corvey get hot. Jeff Green get hot. Because LeBron, these playoffs, he's a walking 30-point game. So he's going to get his. And I know, oh, we got Iggy. Iggy ain't going to do nothing against LeBron. Yeah, he, he plays good defense. He does. And the amount of bodies Golden State can throw at LeBron too as well. Because if you look, you you can have Draymond, you can have Iggy, you can have KD, you can have even Clay, all defend LeBron. But I think there's going to be some supernatural things that's going to happen this series. I really do. LeBron, he just has this weird thing about him right now. I was watching some of his press conferences today, and I mean, he's, he looks forward to it. He looks calm. <laughs> I know you're laughing, but I'm telling you, man, there's something crazy about this. And I would, I never would have said this before the playoffs started. But the way he's playing, I don't know, man. I just have a weird feeling. He's got a really weird feeling. All right. So, <laughs> can I rebuttal a little bit of that? I mean, yeah, you can, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so, first off, I'm not going to get into it. But LeBron's not the GOAT, okay? He's the best player of this generation, yes. He's the best player since 2003 entering the league, yes. He's the best player in the league right now, still 15 years later, yes. Not the greatest of all time. He's up there, not the greatest of all time. So you're telling me Cavs win in seven, right? I do. At Golden State, game seven. I think game seven is the only one they win as far as at Golden State. Okay. So you're telling me LeBron with George Hill, Kyle Corver, J.R. Smith, and Tristan Thompson as his main people. Oh, oh, and don't forget, sixth man of the year, sarcasm, Jeff Green coming off because he had one big game. All right, you're telling me you're telling me that Cavs team wins Game Seven at Golden State when in 2016, thank God for Kyrie, LeBron had Kyrie Irving to hit a clutch three that we just talked about in the previous segment. Kyrie hit a clutch three in Game Seven at Golden State to get the win. You're telling me this Cavs team with LeBron is going to take out the Warriors at home in Game 7 of the NBA Finals after what we just saw them do against the Rockets in Houston in Game 7 of the Conference Finals? Come on now. (laughs) Here's the thing about the Warriors. They play great. When they want to play, like I said, when they want to play, this should be a sweep, not even close. But I am not sold on the Warriors this year. The way they looked in the playoffs, they play great. They haven't played a great game yet. I'd say one of the best games they've played so far would be game one against Houston. And they still didn't play that great. They put it. Yeah. They put together great stretches in the third quarters usually, but they have not put together a great game and dominated. Like I know they can. They don't need to put together a great game. 
they put together a great third quarter and just beat the Rockets George Hill in is Houston. Gonna, George Hill is going to control Steph. It doesn't. It doesn't take <laughs> a great game to beat the Cav. This Cavs, okay. It takes a great quarter, which that's all the Warriors need to do, which they have done consistently. Because again, we just talked about how great they are in the third quarter. Hell, let let the Cavs get up by ten going into halftime. It doesn't matter because Warriors going to come out in third quarter. They're going to score 30 points to the Cavs, 15, and then they'll coast the rest of the game. George Hill ain't going to do anything to Steph because I've seen Steph embarrass better defenders than George Hill's old ass. George Hill okay. isn't a terrible defender now. What are they going to do about Clay? What are they going to do about KD? I saw KD pull threes in LeBron's face last year, and he didn't know what I did to do. Too. Yeah, we all did. Okay. I'm just saying, do not be surprised if this thing goes game, seven games. It's not going seven games. Where do you think it's going? Well, let me let me Four get one, let huh? me get through the series first. <laughs> let me break down these matchups. All right, J.R. Smith, he's actually a better defender than people give him credit he for. J.R. Smith, even though he's getting a little older, he's still an athletic wing guy. Again, I always criticize him on the offensive end because of how streaky he is, but he can play some defense. So I think if they put J.R. maybe on Clay, that'll be a good matchup. I think LeBron's going to be on KD. That's that's a toss up. Because I we just said last year, two best players in the league. Yeah, KD can pull up on LeBron. LeBron can take KD to the hole. So they wash each other out whenever they want to. Somebody's going to get hot and have a better game than the other. But I still like KD because KD can pull that that smooth mid range jump shot on LeBron. Because even though LeBron's six nine, KD's a smooth seven foot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Steph George Hill. George Hill's longer. I'll give him that. Steph is a better player because Steph is a two-time MVP who is embarrassed bigger and better players. <laughs> and if you have been watching these playoffs, you'll know Steph has not even been that great from the three-point line until these last few games. Steph has been taken to the hole these playoffs, and that's what's impressed me the most is he's able to give a half-second hesitation or go off the wrong foot like Steve Nash did or do something – or use his body to create separation and take it to the hole on bigger guys. So I think Steph against George Hill is no problem. They're going to have to put somebody else on Steph. I think if Andre Iguodala comes out, KD's not going to be playing on LeBron because they're going to put Andre Iguodala on LeBron and let him just exert all his energy on the defensive end. Who did they put KD on? K-Love, you just said it. KD, Mm. KD can lock down K Love pretty easy. Not down low, but then again, not down low. But K Love don't play down low no ex- more. Exactly, he don't okay. play down low. He like sit on the wing, and I don't care what. Let KD sit on the bench on defense. I don't care because we need him <laughs> on the offensive end. Because like I just said, if you have if Andre Iguodala is back, he's gonna put all his energy into that defensive end trying to lock down LeBron. So then when you come back on offense, hey, KD's feeling pretty fresh, and he even if LeBron d's him up. KD still has the energy to to do some work. Draymond, he's against Tristan Thompson. Tristan might get a couple more rebounds, but he's not going to be putting up 12, 13 points yeah. like we've been seeing against Draymond. That's not happening, especially if they want to go a little bigger against him, put in JaVel. JaVel McGee's been solid. I mean, we, we laugh at him because he's kind of – he's funny, <laughs> but, hey, JaVel McGee's been real solid, and I think JaVel could shut down – Tristan Thompson pretty damn easy. He just wouldn't provide much on the offensive end. So, 
I think Warriors are just a way better matchup. And the thing that keeps scaring me, we keep talking about, hey, LeBron's just going to do something special, right? That game against Boston, he put up 45 points. He's not doing anything more special than that. He put up 45 points against Boston and lost the game. And I I use that as my kind of marker of what's going, what I see going forward. Because, yeah, they just won game seven with him having only, what was it, 35. Mm -hmm. But he got 19 from Jeff Green. LeBron can go off against the Warriors. Hell, he might get 50. I don't think he will, but he could. If he got 50, I still don't think (laughs) the rest of the team has enough to win against the Warriors. I see this game, like you said, sometimes the Warriors come out a little flat. And they definitely do. And I think that's why they are a third quarter team because they get in the they get in the locker room and they start jawing at each other. You saw it in the first quarter of game seven. Draymond was going at KD hard. Yeah. They were yelling at each other on the court. But what they said in post game was the big difference is Clay Thompson was getting on people in the locker room at halftime of the last two games. And they said Clay Thompson usually never talks. He's shown a lot of a lot of fire, yeah. which I one thing I noticed too, he was when he was hitting shots, he was yeah. yelling at the crowd, so I ain't going home. Exactly. So, with Clay Thompson getting into it that hard, that team is fired up. So, that maybe that's what it takes to get Golden State going is maybe they come out flat and then Clay gets on them at halftime. Draymond's going to get on them no matter what. <laughs> but you see this going to a game seven and a Cavs win. I do laugh at that because I see this going, Golden State winning it. I see Cavs taking their their first two home games, and that's so it'd be a two two series, and that's it. But I see them losing four to two. That's that's all I see. I see, I just, looking at the matchups, looking at the way the Warriors have played, looking at this Cavs team. This is not that Cavs team of 2016 that won against the Warriors, and this is not that Warriors team in 2016 because they have the second best player in the league and Kevin Durant along with the two-time MVP, maybe third best player in the league, in Steph Curry. Along with probably maybe defensive player in the league, <laughs> best de- defensive player in Draymond Green. Along with maybe the best spot-up shooter in Klay Thompson. <laughs> that's why this is not the same team. Because when they lost that series, that's when they went and got Kevin Durant for a reason. And the fact they were able to pull that off and then win again last year, and you saw Kevin Durant made a big difference when it came to LeBron. So, this series is done four to two. If that, like, and I think if that is because one, LeBron, LeBron's gonna play his ass off every game. This is the first year I'm done. LeBron is clutch. Trust me, I've been a LeBron. You can say hater, you can say whatever. LeBron is is clutch this year. He's carried this sorry ass team to the finals. <laughs> I'll just say it. LeBron's played great. He's impressed me. I've always thought he's the best player while he's been in the league. Maybe those early years, he didn't have that killer instinct. In Miami, he didn't have the killer instinct, and I gave him fair criticism back then. But now that he's the only guy, LeBron's done it. He's brought this team here. I think it's one of his greatest accomplishments, win or lose. Yeah. So you got to give him credit. I'm not worried about LeBron in this series. I'm worried about the Cavs. Yeah. yeah. And this this Cavs team, 
not playing in Cleveland. Okay, yeah, they had one guy show up in Game 7 in Jeff Green. And J.R. Smith just happened to have a decent game as well. Against, again, hangover of the month. Celtics didn't have their <laughs> two best players. Hey, Warriors have their two best players. Their two best players go be superstars on any other team individually. So, LeBron's going to be great every game. He might have one off game where he scores in the 20s. But he's going to have a great game no matter what. But I don't think the rest of the Cavs are going to show up, especially in Oracle Arena. I'm hoping they show up at home. That's why I'm giving them two those first two games at home. Because they used to do the finals. 2-3-2. Two, two. Yeah, they used to do 2-3-2. Two, two, and I was looking, and it's back now. It's 2-2. Two, two, one, and one, then one. back, back, back. So I'm giving the Cavs those first two home games just based off of adrenaline and the grace of God. But other than that, again, LeBron's going to be great every game, but his his team's not going to be there. There's no way in hell this goes seven. I'm giving it six, but it's going to be pretty clear writing on the wall, hey, Cavs won their two home games, and then Warriors are taking it from there, one in – one in Golden State, and then winning game six in Cleveland. All I'm saying is just don't be, like, totally surprised. Like, damn, this shit really going six, seven games. Well, I mean, six, yeah. Seven, hell no. <laughs> so, if it goes to game seven, who do you, who do you, who are you taking? Oh, if it goes to game seven, I'll, I'll take Golden State anyway. <laughs> Because especially oh, no. at Game 7, they're at home. I just picked them to win out in Cleveland. Yeah. That Game 6 would be in Cleveland. Game 7 at home? You think we just talked about these Celtics players. I don't kinda, know, man. We just talked about these Celtics players kind of disappearing, disappearing here in, in the moment. Who's going to step up in that big moment in Game 7 at Golden State for the Cavs? Other than LeBron. Give me. Yeah. I I feel like Jr. has got it in. <laughs> no, but all, all seriousness, I mean, I do think it's going to be a lot better series than people think it will be. I don't. That that two games I give in the Cavs. You no, know, it's crazy. The odds to win a hundred dollars on the Warriors, you got to bet a thousand. Yeah, it's crazy. I I believe it. And I I just feel like there's there's some super supernatural stuff. Yeah, I'm not I'm not changing it up. I think it's going to be four to two series. Yeah. Easily, I mean, I, yeah, I, I think the Cavs, I, Cavs I wouldn't, will win in seven. I would not be surprised if it's four to one, but I think it'll be four to two, right. just because I think Warriors will come out too flat against the Cavs yeah. in Cleveland. But probably because their hotel has bed bugs or something, because they're in Cleveland, nobody wants to be there. They got to sleep in Cleveland. When's the last time you took a vacation to Cleveland? I mean, Ty Lue said, "Don't count us out." Yeah, and Ty, <laughs> Ty Lue doesn't know his lineups. That's another thing. I think this thing's gonna get out coached easy. Now, granted, Ty Lue's not a good coach. Granted, Brad Stevens was out coaching Ty Lue pretty easily, and oh, it, was, it was obvious. Well, you, I mean, Ty Lue, he's got the goat, LeBron James. Yeah, that's, you don't have to do much coaching with that. That's what's helping. He's him. gonna help you make you. He's I, gonna help you look like a better coach. I lost confidence after the game. Ty Lue said, "I lost track of the lineup." I'm like, dude, you're the head coach. You got to know who's in the game, who's not, who your game plan is calling to be in the game. Steve Kerr outmatches Ty Lue. I thought Brad Stevens outmatched Ty Lue, but the big difference is Brad Stevens didn't have up to four Hall of Famers on his starting lineup. 
like Steve Kerr does, I call this four four games to two, and you call it seven games with Cavs winning in Golden State. That's your lock in. Something weird, man. I'm telling you, something weird. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna let's see. This time next week, we'll have a little better idea of what's going yeah. on in these finals, and we'll be able to uh, dissect that and see who's who's looking a little better and who's not. But that is your NBA Finals preview. Last part of the show. It is time for Last Call. And Last Call, just for again, for those of you who don't know, this is a segment we just wanted to touch on. This might be a story that is sports-related. It might not be sports-related. It could be something completely different. But this is something we didn't want to dedicate a whole segment to in the main part of the show. Um, just something we want to touch on real quick kind of close the show out, but something that really caught our interest and we want to get the last word in about this subject. Okay. My last call has zero to do with sports. I got a little gripe with the movie industry. So this past weekend, Solo opened at theaters. Han Solo movie that nobody asked for. Now... (laughs) Now I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Okay, don't get me wrong. I've grown up with Star Wars. I'm I'm probably closer to like Star Wars nerd than fan. I love Star Wars. Now here's a movie. Star Wars movie, only one coming out this year. Touches on one of the most iconic characters in Han Solo. You have Lando Calrissian, another great character played by childish Gambino, Mr. Donald Glover. So this movie on paper sounds like it should be great. And all the reports are coming out of Memorial Day weekend is that this was actually a dud. That this was not that great of a movie, one, and did not perform as well at the box office as Disney expected. And again, this is just my quick last call. And there's a couple reasons for this. One, I think people are getting Star Wars fatigue. I grew up obsessed with Star Wars. I loved this the prequels that came out when I was a kid. I loved the original trilogy. And it feels like when Star Wars came out in theaters, even when the prequels were coming out, it was an event. It was a big deal for a Star Wars movie to come out. Well, now with Disney buying Star Wars, they're putting out the a new trilogy where those movies are coming out every other year and then Disney is doing filler movies in between those years. And I feel like it is taking something special away from the franchise. When you have a Star Wars movie, you know is guaranteed to come out every single year. Now, to be fair, the other filler movie, Star Wars Rogue One, was actually a great movie. And it was another one that I was not interested in at all. But I've seen it, and once I watched it, it was, to me, amazing. It was a side story to the original trilogy that really set up the beginning of the original trilogy. It had a heavy story, had great writing, and it was actually pretty tragic. And it was a great movie that tied into the Star Wars universe. This solo movie, 
as much as I love Han Solo and Chewbacca and Lando, and as much as I love Donald Glover, this movie did nothing to catch my interest throughout the previews. This They have not marketed it in any way that makes me want to go see it. It's about a character that we already know and it's basically just advertised as, hey, here's an adventure movie of Han Solo and his wacky pals getting into shenanigans. I don't care about that. If they're going to continue making these Star Wars movies every couple of years, every other year, aside from the main storyline that they're doing, then touch on something interesting. Touch on something, some origins in the dark side. Touch on, do a Darth Maul side movie, a character people are really interested in his origins. We've had enough Han Solo. Everybody loves Han Solo. He had a great ending to his story in the beginning of this new trilogy. Han Solo's kind of done. I feel like people aren't interested in Han Solo if it's not Harrison Ford. Because to all of us, that is Han Solo. This guy playing Han Solo right now is just a guy in the same costume. (laughs) But Harrison Ford is Han. So, again, last call. Disney, please don't ruin Star Wars. You're, You're getting there, throwing them out every year, knowing you can make money off them, knowing you can get money from merchandising and toys. It's great, but it's definitely taking some of what was special away from Star Wars. I know even the last movie, The Last Jedi, got a lot of criticism. I actually enjoyed it, but I know a lot of people did not. Just if you're going to stick to side stories, give us something interesting, something different, and something that we haven't seen before. Don't just make a little campy fun movie that yeah. nobody really cares about. That's what it seems like. Just like a fun movie. Yeah. Like I said, just it's, a, it's like, Hey, maybe we can make some money. off. Exactly. This. Here's, we can make the money off. Hey, here's Han Solo and Chewie and he's Chewie's going <laughs> to make the same noise. He always makes in all the other movies and they're going on some crazy adventures. Like, <laughs> no, this isn't Ernest goes to camp. Give me star Wars. <laughs> goes to camp. So <laughs> that's my last call. Come on, Disney, do better. If you're going to continue churning these out every year, which I really wish you didn't, give us something with a little bit of depth, a little bit of story. Don't give us just a a real quick adventure movie that's an obvious cash grab. And that is my last call. I'm your co-host, Evan. I'm here with the other co-host, KK. This has been Ballers on Tap. We appreciate it. We got some really great stuff coming up. NBA Finals are ramping up this Thursday. So next week, we're definitely going to break those down. And if you aren't already, go ahead. Follow us on Twitter, at Ballers on Tap. Again, today, shout out to Janet. She followed us on Twitter, gave us a shout out of a beer to try. And we tried it, and we loved it. Great. Great one. And if we don't love it, come at us on Twitter. Let us know what you think. Let us know how wrong we are or come battle us on any sports opinions. Or, hey, maybe you love this solo movie and you want to come at us on Twitter and let me know how dumb I sound. <laughs> let us know at Ballers on Tap. Also, iTunes, subscribe, follow, uh, rate us. Again, Ballers on Tap. Or for you Android folks, find us on Stitcher. Again, this is my favorite time of the year, NBA Finals. We're getting into it.
Next week should be good because we'll actually have a little bit of NBA Finals to talk about, see who's right or wrong. Again, for this week, Evan Kelly, I'm out. KK, we appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys. And this was Ballers on Tap.